Hey, welcome to Kingsway Caringba. We are a community inspired by love to live differently. I'm Dave, one of the pastors here. It's so great to have you with us. We pray this teaching will inspire you, build your faith, and lead you to a life of fullness and freedom in Jesus. Enjoy the message. We could go longer, but you can do this later. <laughs> when you get home or not, depending on what your home looks like. Mine won't be like that. <laughs> It'd be a bit noisier, I would say. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was... Um, confronted by a man named Dave Standen down at Gunnamatta Park and uh, he said to me, you coming to church on Sunday? I said, yeah, probably. I'll see how we go. And he goes, I'm throwing down a gauntlet for you. I'm going to bring in the greatest and biggest object lesson that has ever been brought into this church. And sure enough, on Sunday morning, he brought a boat into church. But he definitely threw down a challenge. I've been speaking about this challenge, Dave, with, um, with Avril. And today is not the day that I top that. But I'm going to leave you hanging. And rest assured that there will come a moment in your future where a boat in here... Sorry, I just needed to clarify that in a public forum. <laughs> Avril, similarly, um, she'll let you know. Watch out. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know me, Dave rightly said my name's Adam. Uh, I spend most of my days at the Tops Conference Centre, which is down at Stanwell Tops, big camp, campsite conference centre that um, people go away to and spend a couple of days at. Uh, I love being there. I love it. Part of what I do is um, I'm responsible for creating environments and for creating experiences that people can enter into um, and that those environments might be transformational in some way. Some way that this sense of fresh hope might come to people just because they came along and sat in an environment or joined in an experience. I've got a great team of people that work with me um, that every day, every day are heading out on adventures with people, hoping to see some sort of change in their life, some sort of step towards Jesus in some way. I just wanted to share one story that's just come out of um, probably about two weeks ago now. Uh, One of the great people in my team is uh, a girl by the name of Georgia, and uh, Georgia was leading a, a small crew on a school camp, a three-day school camp. Um, I'm recognising that the rain's getting louder. If you can't hear me, just start waving, and I'll talk a little bit differently or stop. Is that all right? Uh, so Georgia was leading a crew of people um, from a, a local school, and one of the students, uh, goes, well, I'll call him James, uh, came, was coming along to camp. He... Was a, he is a student with some quite significant physical challenges, like quite layers and layers of physical challenges um, for James. Comes into the camping environment and uh, there were some questions around what he might or might not be able to engage in in camp. Now, if you've ever not been to the TOPS Conference Centre, are we doing all right? You can hear okay? 
Um, the Tops has like lots of adventure activities like abseiling and giant swings and climbing towers and all that sort of stuff. Um, a lot of stuff that kids go out on adventure with. So James comes into the space of camp and Georgia and team uh, meet the whole school and obviously um, James was noticed uh, by our team. In fact, we'd heard about him before he came to camp uh, because of the concern of some of the teachers. But Georgia and her team just welcomed James as one of the crew and um, invited James as they invited every person who had come to camp to just join in the adventure, to do what they could do and see what happened. James was treated just like everybody else. And even though the teachers were a little bit concerned about what he might be able to engage in, uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a buggy would arrive that would just help James get to where his group needed to be. And then it would disappear. And when they got to a giant swing, my gosh, this is getting loud. <laughs> we're concentrating okay? Tell, just honestly tell me if you're not. Um, so, you know, get to a giant swing and all of a sudden one or two people would arrive to just help James get up onto the swing and join in on the swing and then they would disappear. And over and over throughout the camp experience, James was just treated just exactly like every other kid in the group, in the, in the school, but some things just took a little bit longer. And that's one, one of the things I love about my team is that that's just the posture that they hold. Everybody is seen as a valuable person and some normal things just take a little bit longer for some people. Some things just need a little bit of extra help. And that's, I guess that's a bit of a day-to-day -day for us. We see a lot of people, we see a lot of school groups, a lot of community groups, and there's a huge amount, a huge variety of people in the world that God's created. And so every day we're, we're meeting lots of different people and just inviting them on adventure. doesn't matter who they are or what they can or can't do or what they think they can or can't do. We're, we're there with the invitation. We're there with the hope of transformation. It was really, really clear that James had a crackingly good time on camp. And at the end of the week, when we sit down and we share stories about what happened in our weeks, um, James certainly came up as a bit of a feature of, uh, we know James had a good time. He, he, we, we could tell as he was going through the, the process. But that's just a regular day at the tops for us. I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about this story later on. I won't, won't keep going now. But just uh, as we're, we're continuing through a, a series called Moments, uh, we're tracking through the book of John, and his gospel and, and un unpacking some of the moments in Jesus' life and ministry, some of those significant things, I'm really aware that all four gospels talk about a bunch of different moments in Jesus' life. Things that are quite significant and profound, particularly for the people that he comes into contact with. Like in, um, in John chapter 4, um, when Jesus comes across a well and a lady at a well and has a conversation with her. It seems like it just happens. And an entire community of people is significantly transformed and changed because of that one conversation. 
in Mark chapter 5, um, there's a guy named Jairus who was a leader in the church came and, and approached Jesus and, and desperately asked for help because of his, his daughter being really, really sick. And Jesus actually has to turn away from what he was doing quite a number of times in the story. But many people are healed and brought back from the dead and there's quite significant moments. But it seems like as the gospel writers write, they, it's, a, it's catching a moment along Jesus' day. Similarly, in Luke 18, Jesus comes across a blind man and he asks him, what do you want? And the guy says, I want to see. Jesus says, okay. You know, he just keeps, which, you know, if we, if we start looking at that, that's flipping significant. That's, that's a person who can't see seeing. That's the power of God in, in, at work, you know. But it just seems like a lot of these things just happen in Jesus' day. And I'm not suggesting that Jesus um, wasn't aware of these moments coming. Not in any way, but what I can suggest is that the gospel writers didn't specifically tell us that these were pivotal moments in Jesus' ministry life. They weren't specific in going, hey, everybody, look at this pivotal moment. They were more saying, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. I'm sure Jesus was aware. I'm sure that Jesus always knew what he was doing. There's always great purpose in his actions but they wouldn't necessarily be called defining. But as John's gospel moves towards its climax and he gives account, an account of a meal together just before the passion narrative. And the big difference with this moment and this meal is that Jesus is crystal clear that this is a moment and this is a big one. He doesn't want it to be missed. He doesn't want it to be mistaken because he says that. He acts with such clarity and such intensity that the message is meant to be completely unmistakable. It's in John chapter 13. If you've got a Bible or a phone or something, you might want to open it. If not, it's on the screen behind me. I'll read it to you. So before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew his hour had come to leave the world and return to his Father. He now showed his disciples the full extent of his love. It was time for supper, and the devil had already enticed Judas, the son of Iscariot, Simon Iscariot, to carry out his plan to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he'd come from God and would return to God. And so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he had around him. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, why are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now why I'm doing it but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, well then, wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who's bathed all over doesn't need to wash, except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you're clean, 
But that isn't true of everyone here because Jesus knew who would betray him. And that's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put his robe back on again and sat down. And he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and you call me Lord. And you're right, because it's true. And since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. How true it is that a servant is not greater than the master, nor are messengers more important than the one who sends them. You know these things. Now do them. If you've never come across feet washing before, you need to imagine back into a context where roads are made of dirt and shoes are not as cool as they are now and let a lot of that dirt in because people didn't drive in cars, they walked. So things got dirty in the feet department. And so to come into someone's house, there was levels of custom depending on where and when you were that your feet would get washed so that you could come in and be clean. Um, Sometimes that would be a service that was provided for you to do um, and where, where available a slave would um, be there to wash your feet for you. It was a very lowly job. It was a very dirty job. If you've been around church circles a long time, you've probably heard and thought a lot about feet washing. You may have been even involved in a circumstance in the church service where you got your feet washed. I don't know. I know I have. Uh, but uh, it, we, we know that it was quite, it's perceived as quite a lowly job. But it's not always, that's not always the case. Um, sometimes um, uh, uh, so your feet would be washed by the, person's ha- the person who owned the house as an act of welcome, as an act of hospitality. Sometimes a wife would wash a husband's feet as, a, as an honourable or loving act towards the one that they loved. Sometimes children would wash their father's feet as an act of respect. Sometimes students would wash a rabbi's feet as an act of ultimate respect or washing an elder's feet as an act of ultimate respect. It was something that was considered a, 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 a task that was not only to clean, not, all, not always lowly and slave-bound, but sometimes as an act and a mark of respect an act of honour towards somebody else. But this act that Jesus demonstrated wasn't an act of welcome. Because a number of texts say that they were in the middle of the meal when this happened. So it wasn't the guys walking in. This was already in the middle of their time together. So this wasn't a welcome. Nor was it an act of elder respect. Nor was it the act of a husband and a wife and showing an expression of love in that way. This was something different again. And Jesus, after he's, he's done that and he sits back down, and he, he, he clarifies and he's like, I want you to understand. I want you to understand. And if you think about the people that are in the room, uh, particularly Jesus' disciples, if you know anything about them, there's this, funny repetition around not understanding things or missing the point and going on to something that the disciples think is a little bit more important. 
And so the Holy Spirit needs to come into those circumstances with those guys particularly and, and bring light and bring understanding to their thinking so that they could understand what Jesus was saying. And so Jesus here, for some reason, is adding this deep clarity. He's like, I want you to understand this. I'm going to explain this. I want you to know. He wants to push understanding so we know that this, for Jesus, is something significant that he wants to communicate. So if I can shift just for a sec, just back, rather than on the demonstration of the foot washing, if I can shift to Jesus himself. Because I think there's some important stuff in here. And the first thing is this, that um, if you look at verse 3, sorry, I realized that I was reading something different to what you were, um, what you were seeing. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that had come from, he'd come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew full well of his power and he knew full well of his authority. He knew that. And so with Jesus knowing who he was, now John, I imagine, at that time, in that room, didn't understand that nor appreciate that. I imagine that the Holy Spirit empowered him with understanding later on to be able to fit, write this down with God's help so that we could get it as much as he got it. But at that time, Jesus knew of his power and his authority. And from that point, he gets up and he takes off his robe and he puts on a towel and he goes to work. Jesus starts from being fully known. If you got an opportunity to listen to what Brett was saying last week, uh, talking around Jesus' baptism and the, the words that were spoken from God over the life of Jesus um, about his identity and his belonging and his purpose. This moment builds from that moment. Jesus knows who he is. And Jesus, knowing of his power, knowing that he's loved, knowing that he's known, he can act in the way that he acts. And I guess what he wanted people to see was just two really clear things. He wanted them to know, I wield my authority and my power as a servant. I execute my power with humility. I wield my authority as a servant and I execute my power with humility. Which is pretty significant. This is how I'm going to lead. This is how I'm going to use my power. And I want you to see that. And I want you to understand that. And so after this demonstration of this action to wash his disciples' feet and some of the conversations that he has with the guys as he's going, he says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I'll tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. And there's two things going on here. As oh, I think there's, there's probably more, but there's at least two that I've picked up that I think are, uh, are important to note. Uh, one here is around equal value in God's sight. Jesus is talking about the, there's an equality of value, that God sees people differently to the way that we often see people. I mean, in Luke chapter 22, Luke's sort of um, describing some of the same circumstance that John is. 
and, um, and records a conversation with the disciples um, at, the, that, at this meal where they're arguing over who's greater than somebody else. And Jesus responds into that, into that conversation the same way that he's responding here in the way that John records it, by saying, the great will become servants. The great must become servants. That's the way to lead. And here he says, the slave isn't greater than the master. The messenger isn't more important than the one who sends the message. And there's echoes of this concept of equality and inherent value of the individual right throughout God's word. Just two very simple examples um, in Galatians chapter 3 and, and Romans chapter 10. There's a really clear argument around the fact that there's no distinction between people. Paul says there isn't a distinction between people, that all are one in Christ Jesus. Jesus is really clear here in saying, I'm valuing you, I'm valuing you, I'm valuing you, and I'm valuing you. Not differently, the same. I value you. You are known and you are loved by me. And then he directs his message bearers to do the same, to act in that way. Jesus knew what he was doing at this moment. He was incredibly intentional. And he was explaining how we get to live as a part of God's kingdom. As kingdom bringers, this is how he's saying, this is how you do it. Jesus is demonstrating, this is how I operate. And I'm clearly saying to you, you go and do that. And he doesn't leave any room for doubt in interpreting his actions here. I feel like he's saying at some point, you're not above me. So if I can act humbly, if I choose to act humbly, then I'm calling you to do the same thing. A little bit earlier on, um, Dave read from Philippians. I'm going to read it again. Not because you'd read it so well, but because I already thought about reading it. And I think that's, there's some potency in here, so we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I'm just, I'm just thinking that um, there's, a, there's a possibility that as you read through the words that you could interpret that Jesus is saying, okay, when I've done this for you, you go do this. That he's saying, I want you to go and wash people's feet. Now, I don't, I don't personally agree with that. I'm not going to say that I'm right on that either. Uh, but I'm trying to imagine back into that circumstance, the act of Jesus doing what he did in standing up and putting on a towel and, and sitting down at somebody's feet to wash feet would have been so incredibly confronting. Incredibly confronting for everybody that was in the room. Confusion would have been high. Not understanding would have been like the theme. And trying to figure out what on earth is going on. And when he says, I want you to go and do the same, I imagine some of the internal conversations would have been, what, you want me to continue and go and wash other people's feet? But I can't do it the way that you're doing it because this is so confronting. This is such an unusual circumstance. So I imagine over time, as, as the Holy Spirit empowers these guys to write and think and reflect on what's happened, to go, oh, there's something bigger at play here. It's not about the feet. It's about the action, it's about using the power, it's about using the knowledge of who you are to engage with people in a different way, 
in a way that says, I'm not better than you. I don't have more than you. I'm valued the same as you. So that's where we're going to start from. I am valued the same as you by God. So that's our beginning point. That's where we carry the gospel message into a circumstance. So Philippians chapter 2. I'll just read the first half of what Dave read earlier. Paul writes, "If, If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, then complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in accord, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So the question I've been asking myself for the last little while is, how does this play out for me? What does my processing look like? Now I'm aware that everything that I need has been given to be my God. I know that because I've been taught it. I don't always feel that, but I'm aware that that is is a truth in my life. And so there's a real big challenge for me personally just to to, to think, do I I act and live from that place of of not just knowing in my head, but knowing in my heart that, that God is sufficient? I don't need anything else. I don't have to be trapped by anything else. Because if God is truly sufficient for me, I can be content with anything, anything, anything. That's hard. When it boils down to the day-to-day stuff, I actually find that pretty hard. Particularly the confronting things or the challenging things that pop up in my life. Yeah, that can be a real struggle. But if God is truly sufficient, if I can get from here to here with that message, I can be content with anything, anything that happens in my world. And in that way, then I can engage in any task. I can jump into any moment, any lowly thing. I don't need praise. I don't need to be thanked. I don't need to be rewarded. Nothing in this world can do those, need to do those things for me. I don't need anything except to be known and loved and then I can act and serve from that spot. As I said, I don't, I, I don't think that Jesus was asking us to go and wash other people's feet. I think that doesn't make sense for me. But what does make sense is that he wants me to go out with the same posture that he took on and live my life that way. He wants me to act in humble service towards other people. In a way that passes on the freedom that I know and the value that I know of myself into the life of somebody else. I 
a couple of days after that camp that I was talking about a little bit earlier on, uh, we got an email from a teacher about James. And um, that doesn't often happen. We've got feedback forms that people write and give us a little bit of commentary about what happened at camp, but not often do we get some quite specific emailing around um, a particular person. Uh, it was from a, t- a member of the teaching staff that was at camp with James, and um, they saw a profound impact on him over that three days. So I'll, I'll read the email to you because it's like it, re- it got me. So hopefully it gets you a little bit too. Um, The teacher says, I wanted to express our gratitude for the amazing care and professionalism that Georgia and her team showed during our school visit this week. In particular, the outstanding example of adjustments made for a student with physical disabilities. Your staff demonstrated the need to look for strengths and work within those when working with James. This was a perfect illustration of what inclusive education is all about. Much of my job is about ensuring that students with disabilities, which are most of which are twice or thrice exceptional, have access to curriculum and the ability to achieve maximum learning outcomes. This week, your staff demonstrated this perfectly. I'll be using the work done by your staff as an example of this in a staff development activity in an upcoming staff meeting, showing our staff the amazing achievements gained by this amazing student in just three days with the correct level of support and struggle. Thank you again. Your staff work with students so well, but I can see how they would also make a great impact on teachers too. Um, I want to blow George's trumpet, nor the top's trumpet. I'd love to, but I'm not going to. I think the thing is that Georgia went into her day couple of weeks ago with that sense of I'm going to value every person that I see. And that's her posture and that's her team's posture and that's what they did. And they just didn't know what was going to happen in James's life. They just knew that it was going to take a little bit extra to get through. And so a couple of people would pop in and out and pop in and out just to help that happen. We had no idea of the profound effect that would happen in James's life throughout that three-day experience. We had no idea that that teacher would be impacted so profoundly, nor that we would have an opportunity to step into a a local government school as an example of how to do things well with people. We weren't aware of any of that because we were just going about our day and trying to serve. I don't know what my defining moments are. Jesus clearly did. I don't know what mine are until they've happened. Or sometimes when they're happening, I'm thinking, oh, here's a defining moment. But I'm I'm already on it or in it or well past it. So I don't have that luxury of of thinking, oh, this is coming and this is going to be a defining space in my life. Therefore, I'm going to act this particular way to help that happen well. But Jesus sets an example for me. John wrote this down for me so that I would know I get to go into circumstance and I get to serve. As I'm known and I'm loved by God, I get to go in and I get to serve. And it doesn't matter. I don't need any um, 
I don't need any thanks from anybody. I don't need anything because I can just go because I'm known by him. I think maybe our true defining moments are each moment. That's our decision to choose to be shaped by what God's word says and what the Holy Spirit does in our heart and in our head and taking that on board and walking into our next day or our next moment or our next moment with that attitude. And as Paul says, think of others more significant than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. This moment defining for Jesus in clarifying that for his message bearers clarifies that for me. And I hope clarifies that for you a little bit too. It says, let's go and treat others the way that God would treat them. And let's keep doing it in every moment and every moment. And not worry about what is going on with us or what we have to do or where we have to bend down to in our day. Because God knows us and he loves us. And he's all that we need. Shall we pray? I want to thank you, Jesus, that you um, took that opportunity at that meal to choose to be clear. And that that message that you gave of serving others was caught. And that your Holy Spirit enabled these guys to catch that and document that so that we could read it. God, because that's written down so that we know it, I ask that you'll impact us to be able to live it. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. If you'd like to connect with us, make a financial gift, or find out more about Kingsway Churches, head to kingsway.org.au. Have a good one.